I almost didn't show that one because it kind of gets me choked up. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. It's heartwarming. And what I think is interesting is what one of the girls said. Um, you know, we get something from her. They get breakfast. They get to come together. But I think she gets as much out of it as they do. And isn't that what it's kind of supposed to be, living in this world with other people? Aren't we supposed to help each other along life's road? Sometimes the most normal things in life, like a breakfast together with friends, can be a bit of a miracle. So we've used these good news stories as a springboard to talk about our topic this month is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And we've been highlighting the gospel or good news that is sort of in our mission as a church. I want you to know exactly who we are as a church, what we're trying to do. Our mission is to love God, to love each other, and then to love the world around us. Uh, If you remember week one, we talked about the four lepers who uh, made their way across uh, the battle lines into the enemy's camp to find that God had done this miracle. And they were hoarding all of the food and all of the plunder from this enemy camp that had been abandoned. And they realized, they said, we're not doing right. We have good news that's for everyone. And we decided that the good news of Jesus is the same. It's, it's for everyone. It's not something that we hoard or that we uh, take all to ourselves. It's something we should share with everyone wherever we go. Second week, we talked about the story of the paralytic. Remember the man who had been paralyzed and his friends brought him to Jesus, literally dug through the roof of a home uh, to bring this man and lower him down in front of Jesus. And the people were amazed. And it says they praised God. You know, good news um, ushers in or triggers praise, doesn't it? And that's really what we're doing here this morning. We have good news because we found Christ, or maybe uh, we have this good news because of Jesus and what he's done for us, and we can't help but come together and worship, and Aaron and the band do such a nice job, wonderful job of leading us, and we get to come together and hear each other's voices and be in a room together, and loving God is all about worshiping God. Week three, last week, we looked at a story of Jesus calming the storm. Like, he is 100% human, right? He needed some rest. He's asleep in the bow of the boat when his storm comes up. The disciples are frantic, and just with his voice, he stills the storm. And the question we asked last week is this, who are you in the boat with? Right? Do you have Jesus in your boat? Do you have some, some friends or some other Christian people that you know? Do you have somebody who has a little more experience? Who are you doing life with? Because that's really what it means to love each other is, is doing and living life together. Today's week four, last week of this series. And we're going to talk about this last part of our mission, which is to love the world. Today, we want to focus on this idea in our mission. Loving the world, what, what is it that compels us to love and to serve those around us. If you have your Bible open, let's look at another story from Mark chapter 6. Kind of read through this and unpack a little bit of this and then make a couple applications and then hopefully we'll go eat together. Maybe you'll beat me there because I got to do this again. Um, Mark 6, look at, uh, start in verse 31. It says in verse 31, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. So again, throughout the gospels, we see this similar theme. Jesus is with people. He's teaching people. He's healing people. And uh, he gets these giant crowds and they are so intent on being with Jesus and maybe touching him or being healed by him that they just overcrowd him. So Jesus uh, uses a boat to try and escape from the crowds. Verse 32 says, so they went away by themselves in a boat 
to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of him. So, again, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. There's, there's no wind and waves this time, but rather a storm of people. And this storm of people sees which direction Jesus and his disciples set sail, and they kind of make their way around the lake. Some of them even beat Jesus to the other side and are there waiting when he gets there. I think it's even possible that along the way, they were getting more people like, what's all the hubbub? As they went through these little towns and villages, the people are asking, what's happening here? What's going on? And so they just gather more and more people. So they left one crowd and come to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and it's a bigger crowd. Look at verse 34. It says, when Jesus landed and saw such a large crowd... He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. I love the word Mark uses here in this gospel, the word compassion. This word in the original language indicates some kind of movement, right? In other words, Jesus was so moved when he saw the crowds that he was compelled to action. Now, I've never been in a situation where a crowd of people wanted to get at me, but I think I would have been a little more put out, right? I I would think I would have been a little more like, can I just get away? Can I just get a minute, right? But not Jesus. He is moved with compassion. Verse 35 says, "By by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples saw the crowd, probably like I would have, as an obstacle to what Jesus had said was his intention, some rest, right? Some some respite. They saw the crowd as a hindrance to accomplishing what Jesus wants, but that's not the way Jesus saw the crowd. He saw the crowd like a sheep who needed a shepherd. In 2010, I had the opportunity to go to the Turkana region of sort of northwest Kenya in Africa. And it's a dry and barren place. It's the kind of place where uh, a lot of the food organizations and hunger, you know, organizations on a world scale drop food in. I mean, it's a very desolate, not a lot of water. It's very arid. And so we went to see the work a missionary was doing to bring clean clean water. They're digging clean water wells to this whole region. So on several days, we would get in the car with uh, Gene Morton. He's the, he was the missionary there at the time, and we would head out across the, this countryside. He would always say, we're going to go out into the bush today. You know, like, I don't want to be in any bushes. You know, like, I don't know what's in the bushes. But we went out and we drove through this place, and it was an amazing time. Just being in Africa was unbelievable, seeing the work that God, of God's people. And as we drove, sometimes hours at a time, to get to one village or another or a certain area where they were doing some uh, well work, uh, Gene would point out herds of goats and every once in a while camels and uh, off in the distance. And each time he would look to find and show us the shepherd boy who was accompanying the flock. And he told us that it was the responsibility of the oldest son to take care of the family's most valuable possession, the flocks and the livestock. These shepherd boys would live out in the bush 
with the animals and lead them to water and help them find food. Some of these boys were not even teenagers, and they would spend months at a time out by themselves with just the flocks and herds. And the family depended on these young boys to take care of, uh, of this valuable asset. It was a special relationship between these shepherd boys and the livestock. And that's the imagery that Mark uses to describe the way Jesus looked at the people who had gathered to meet them on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus saw the people. He saw this crowd like sheep who needed a shepherd. So he does what a good shepherd would do. Look at verse 37. He answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, it would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go spend that much on bread and give give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. The disciples assess the situation correctly. It's late in the day. These people haven't eaten. There's not a place to buy food for this many people. And even if they could, it would take a lot of money. That answer, though, spot on, was not the answer Jesus was looking for. So he sends them into the crowd to see what resources they could acquire, what they could find. They come back with five loaves of bread and two small fish. Realistically, that's not going to even feed the disciples, right? That's more like one person's lunch, maybe two, let alone a crowd of 5,000-plus people. And I think the disciples were thinking they had proven their point to Jesus and would send the people away. This is all we found, right? Just these five loaves, small loaves of bread and, and these two small fish. But they, don't, they still don't quite know Jesus, do they? Look at verse 39. It says, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. I've heard of some churches kind of try to explain this away, saying, well, once the people got settled and saw the generosity of someone who had given up their lunch, right, the one who had donated the five loaves and the two fish, actually, John 6 tells the same story, and he says that it's a small boy who gave up his lunch. So once the people saw the generosity of this young boy, they began to share what they had. All of a sudden, now stuff's coming out. They were looking for a free meal, some churches would say, and, um, you know, everybody then kind of looked around and they shared and there was plenty. That's a nice story, but there's no indication in the text that that's what happened, is it? See, I just give God the credit. Jesus looks up to heaven, thanks God for what he has provided, and God makes that small lunch feed a multitude of people. I don't know how he did it, I've, I've run that through my mind many times throughout my life as I've read through this story. I don't know if it was like every time they grabbed a piece of bread, it was still there. You know, I don't know if they broke the bread, and as they broke it, it just kept being broken and broken and broken. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, my mind just goes crazy with that. But what I do believe is that God did this beautiful thing. He took a little bit 
and he made it last for all these people. The boy did give up his lunch, but God multiplied it so that everyone got fed. Look at verse 42. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. I think that's my favorite verse in this whole passage. Not a long verse, not a lot of words to it, but so significant, right? They started with a little bit, God blessed it, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketful of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So Jesus, again, Throughout his life, he proves that he's not only human, fully human, right? Jesus is hungry. The people are hungry. He has empathy for those who are hungry because he feels the same. But he's also completely divine. He is God in the flesh. His humanity compelled him to get away from the crowd, but his divinity compelled him to feed the multitude. And the main point of the story is just this, God in the flesh. John chapter 1 Verse 14, John says about Jesus, the word, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Jesus, God incarnate. So Jesus tries to get away from the crowd, but they won't let him. As he travels across to the other side in a boat, the crowd follows and even beats him to the other side. When the boat arrives, Jesus wasn't angry when he saw the crowd. He was full of compassion. In other words, he was moved to do something. He was compelled. Again, when Jesus landed, verse 34, and saw such a large crowd, he had compassion on them. See, Jesus' compassion was greater than his own needs, wasn't it? Jesus' compassion compelled him to love these people. He was tired. He was overworked. He was exhausted from being with people. He was fully human and in the, in, the, in the need of rest. But let me point out just one other thing and one other reason I think Jesus needed to get away. If you read the first part of Mark chapter 6, you'll see that Jesus finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been executed by Herod. Matthew chapter 14 says that when Jesus heard the news about John, he tried to withdraw and be alone with the disciples. Jesus, unlike us, is moved by people's needs more than his own hunger, more than his own fatigue, or even his own grief. He loved people. His compassion was greater than his own needs. And because of that, first of all, Jesus is moved by their eagerness to follow and their need of a shepherd. Verse 34 says, he saw this crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. I don't know a lot about sheep, but I do know that they are good followers. Not great leaders, but good followers. They're not very smart, I'm told, but they will follow. They are creatures of habit. We have some friends here in, at Two Rivers who own a farm in Cove City. And they have a few sheep. And if you go to the farm at a certain time of day, they let the sheep out of the barn and into the pasture for the day. Those sheep know exactly where to go. Like they have, they have worn a, a path from the barn to the pasture. They're good at following. They're good creatures of habit. And Jesus looked at the crowd and, that had gathered, and he knew that they needed someone to lead them. 
He knew they needed a shepherd. He knew they needed a Messiah. Secondly, Jesus is moved. His compassion compels him, right? He's moved by the people's unawareness and need of teaching. It says there in verse 34, again, so he began teaching them many things. Jesus sees the people not as a nuisance, but as an opportunity, right? He's not annoyed, but rather filled with compassion. I, I honestly can't drive down Glen Burnie lately without being annoyed. I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, there's a lot more people on Glen Burnie, and they're always stopped right in front of me. They're doing a little work on the bridge, and I have to sit there through a light one time, and I'm, it's a nuisance to me, right? There's people in my way. I'm annoyed. Jesus has crossed the Sea of Galilee, just looking for a bit of a respite. I think we would all say he's tired, right? He's hungry, he needs rest, and he's grieving. It's, it's reasonable. He gets there, and the people have followed and brought more people. His response is compassion, and he begins to teach them. He sees their need. They're, they're, they don't even know what they don't know. And he begins to teach them. Finally, because of his compassion, because that compassion moves him, he's moved by the people's hunger and need of food. The disciples said, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I actually think that's a good plan, right? I think the disciples came up with the perfect plan. Look, we don't have any food. We don't have enough money to buy everybody food. They should probably go find somewhere to stay. It's getting late. Let them go ahead and get settled in, get something to eat. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Jesus not only understood the people's spiritual needs, he also understood they were hungry. These people needed something to eat. So he told the disciples to give them something to eat. Their greatest need was for a shepherd, for a Messiah. Their second greatest need was for understanding, so Jesus taught them. Their third greatest need was for food, so Jesus fed them. But I think Jesus also understood that he couldn't, they, they would not be able to listen or understand if they were hungry. So he fed them, right? Some of you here today are like, I can't wait to get to lunch. Stomach's growling. Should David hurry up? I want to beat the other churches to, you know, piggly wiggly at the bar. I'm going to go there today and get some, something good. Their hunger was an obstacle to them hearing and understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. So Jesus fed them. The third part of our mission as a church is to love the world. See, the most loving thing we can do as followers is share the good news about Jesus because what do we decide? That news, that, that good news is for everyone. Not just for us, not just because we're not like in some secret club and we're going to hide behind this walls and this place and say, hey, we found it. We hope you do, but we're not really that worried about it. No, the good news about Jesus is for everyone. So the most loving thing we can do as followers is share the good news about Jesus sometimes we have to clear away some of the obstacles so that people can hear about Jesus. That's why we collect peanut butter and jelly. That's why we help build and fund wells in Africa. Do you think the people in the Turkana region really want to hear about Jesus when they struggle every day just to have something to drink, clean drinking water? 
That's why we give presents to kids at Christmas and Thanksgiving. We give meals. We learn to love the world by serving the people around us, and we learn to serve the people around us by serving the people that are right here every week when we come together. There are dozens of serving opportunities that you can get involved with right here. And when you do that, you're teaching yourself, you're learning what it looks like to live and have compassion like Jesus. I see people serving coffee. I notice that people come in early just to set up communion for us. People serve in our children's ministry. You know we have over 150 kids that show up here every week. I see our teens at the end of the day. Most of you don't see this. I see some of our teens uh, serving you by cleaning up the communion and getting it ready and set up for the next week. All of these things teach us what it looks like to serve others. And those things remove obstacles for those who may show up here like sheep without a shepherd. All these things we do are designed to teach us what it looks like to be more like Jesus. He was the one that looked on others with compassion. And he was moved to serve them. If we can remove just one obstacle... Maybe someone might come to know Jesus as their good shepherd, as their Messiah. They all ate and were satisfied. What if we removed all the obstacles and we were able to bring people to Jesus and they could all partake and be satisfied? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this lesson from the Gospels, from the good news, the stories about Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful that Jesus was 100% human, who never failed, never sinned. He was tempted in every way, just as we are yet, and did not stumble, did not fall. He was also 100% divine. God in the flesh. And because of that, Lord, he understood our greatest needs. But he also understood that sometimes to get people to that point, a place where they can know and follow you and be brought back to you, Lord, sometimes we just have to remove some obstacles like hunger or housing. So, Lord, I just pray that you would move in us, help us to be like Jesus, not annoyed not thinking we've got it all figured out. Here's what we need to do with everybody. These people need to go here, go there. Lord, help us to just be like Jesus, move with compassion, loving the people around us. Lord, that all might be filled and satisfied. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.